Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning on what looks like a beautiful day out there. Feels like it, too. The temperature is going to warm up. It's going to be a, a great early fall day to be out in Colorado. There's so much going on. You know, we have all the hunting seasons going on. We have... Uh, tremendous fishing opportunities. We're going to talk a lot about different fishing opportunities. We're going to start out in just a few minutes talking some fly fishing. And in the second hour, we're going to get into some uh, the spoon bite, which is taking off. Plus, we're going to talk about some of the mountain lakes, which are on fire right now. And you still got some opportunities to get out there. The weather's going to change a little bit the next couple days, so you got to dress appropriately. But a lot of times, this cooling weather in the fall... Uh, it's just the opposite of the spring. It really kicks the fishing off. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about some waterfowl opportunities provided by Colorado Parks and Wildlife later in this hour. And we've just got a whole show to cover with so much going on. Let's just go right to the phones. And joining us from the Blue Quill Angler is a Chris Steinbeck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Terry. How are you? You know, I am doing fantastic. I'm looking out the window at the studio here, and obviously we're in you know, in more of an urban setting, but I look out and I see a bunch of the leaves have changed colors. The sky is blue. It's going to be a beautiful day to be outdoors. And, you know, there's no Bronco game tomorrow. It's going to be a little cooler, but a lot of people probably need some escape from football after that game Thursday anyway, and they should head out and do some fishing because it's just on, isn't it? It is. You know, today we're up fishing at Boxwood Gulch outside of Bailey, and um, it is. It's feeling like fall up here, cool mornings, and leaves are starting to fall, and, you know, the fishing has been great. Well, you know, we had such a different year this year than, I mean, last year uh, there was no snow in the mountains to start the spring, and it got warm early, and we were concerned about the health of the fish, and we all kind of anxiously waited for fall for the water to cool off. Uh, and for different reasons, this year, the fall is going to be really good. We had tremendous amounts of snow this last winter. We had flows well into July. We had cool water. Then it got super hot, but we had great flows to maintain the health and the bug life of those fish. And uh, it's just setting up for healthy, big, hungry fish getting ready for winter. The browns are spawning. Uh, what are you seeing out there? Oh, I tell you what, this is my favorite time of year, wait all all summer, like you were saying, for the fall. Um, the fishing's been phenomenal. Um, the streamer bite has been excellent lately. Um, and a lot of the bigger rivers, the Colorado River, down south on the Arkansas River, they've both have been fishing fantastic and a lot of big, big streamers for these big browns that are um, big predators right now. Now, when you fish the Colorado and the Arkansas, you know, in my mind, and maybe I'm wrong, but I picture them a little differently. I think of the Colorado, you know, because it's a little bigger water, and I I see a tendency maybe to get a few bigger browns in the Colorado, and I even go to bigger, uglier streamers there than I do in the Arkansas. The Arkansas, I think of as nice-sized browns, numbers of them, but maybe not quite the big as big a water as the Colorado. Do you approach them differently? Um, yes and no. Yes, in the fact that you were uh, dead on on the Colorado, I tend to throw bigger streamers myself. Um, the fish size, you can find bigger fish up on the Colorado. Uh, the Arkansas, the biggest adjustment I make when I head down there 
is I just throw a little bit smaller streamers, um, close to size 10s, even size 12 sometimes. And, you know, there's good fish in there, but a lot of fish average in that 12 to 14 inch range. Well, I, yeah, the action on the Arkansas, and I would think I, well, you, the Arkansas right now, the weather is usually just a little warmer down there, too. Well, depending on how high up in the river you go, and, you know, runs all the way down and to Pueblo and actually through Pueblo, but it's um, it's just phenomenal for this time of the year, the Arkansas. You know, everybody thinks about the Arkansas for the Mother's Day, you know, caddis hatch, which really isn't what it used to be. Um, and things like that, but the fall really is the time with a brown with any brown trout stream, isn't it? That's it. You know, it, it's the browns get so aggressive. You hit the nail on the head. They're spawning. Um, you get a lot of the rainbows in the river get really active this time of year too. And um, from down south on the Arkansas to the South Platte to the Colorado, what you fly anglers are going to see out there is yes, the streamer bites fishing fantastic, but when you're trying to match the hatch. The bluing olive hatch right now is pretty incredible, and it'll stay strong for another few weeks, too. Well, and this, this cooler weather will really trigger that hatch, won't it? Yes, yes. And in the fall, you know, sometimes it's the worst conditions, the cloudy, the overcast. We're starting to spit rain and a little bit of snow on you. You know, when it kind of looks like it's going to be uncomfortable to fish, get out there and fish, and you won't regret one bit of it. No, let's, you know, I want to get back to streamer fishing, but first let's just kind of go around uh, you, you mentioned the uh, Colorado, and you mentioned the Arkansas. Where else are you hearing reports? What's going on with the Platte? The, you told me when we talked earlier that the flows are a little low there. They are. You know, flows are just under 50 CFS coming out of Cheeseman Dam. And so that's made fishing in Cheeseman Canyon really, really tough. Um, and all the way down through Deckers, it's the same thing. It's been really low flows. Um, the fish, you can find them. You know, with low flows as a fly angler, it means you're going to have some dry fly opportunities. And where everybody wants to focus their attention is going to be the faster moving water and just the little deeper slots you see up and down deckers. Um, Personally, I think there's better options out there right now than the South Platte for the anglers. Um, And uh, but if you want to go fish it, you can definitely get it done. Throw small flies. Um, and target those little deeper runs that you see in the river. It's a little more technical this time of the year because of the low flows, but, you know, it is a close drive. What about some of the rivers right in the metro area, Clear Creek and Bear Creek? Are they fishing okay? Yes, Clear Creek is fantastic. It's so much fun to fish. Um, it's, you know, you're not going to catch anything big, uh, but there's, there's some sweet rainbows in that 12 to 15-inch range and a lot of browns in that 8 to 10-inch range. Um, and from all the way down in Golden through Idaho Springs up to Georgetown and above Georgetown, the whole river in Clear Creek is fishing great. And so if you don't have a whole day to fish and you just have a few hours, Clear Creek is really hard to beat right now. What about, have you heard much about the Eagle and some of the areas up there? Yes, the Eagle's fishing. It's another Freestone River. Um, the brown trout are going nuts up on the Eagle. And this is one of my favorite times to head out in that area as well. And it's just great fishing up and down right now. Now, when I fish the Colorado for the big browns, I tend to drift it, and I take big streamers and throw them to the bank, almost like I'm bass fishing. On some of these uh, lesser waters, I shouldn't say lesser, but maybe not quite as big water, like the Arkansas or maybe the Eagle at times, and even the Pooter would fall into this. You mostly walk wade those those rivers, or are you try, still trying to do some drifting? 
Yeah, you know, we do a lot of walkways, and we do some floats too. So we definitely float the Colorado, and we walk weighted as well. And then on those smaller streams, when you're, when you're not in a boat and you're fishing streamers, it's the same sort of principles, and you don't need to be far off the bank. And you want to find the structure in the river. You want to find the big rocks that are diverting the current. You want to find the, you know, any kind of submerged log. And just like you're talking about bass fishing, trout are going to find that structure as well, and they'll hang by it and wait to ambush. Now, I want to get back to streamers, but before I do, I want to touch on a couple things. One is um, the kokanee this time of the year. You know, we hear a lot about the kokanee spawn, and some places they're snagging and things like that. But they're a great fly fishing opportunity. They are. Do you take advantage? Kokanees are fun to catch. Um, You'll find them if you head up higher up on the South Platte up near the Dream Stream. There's a lot of kokanee in the Dream Stream right now. Um, And you hook them. They're really cool color. They come jumping out of the water. Um, And a little tip for any kind of – when you see kokanee in the river, hard to miss. They look like big redfish. Um, And if you throw bright-colored flies, red eggs, pink eggs, red-pink worms – you'll find your way into a few kokanee. Well, and, and when you're fishing those kokanee, especially if you're using a bright pattern that looks almost like an egg pattern, um, you're going to pick up some rainbows. Absolutely. Absolutely. They'll be in there, um, and especially on the dream stream. You know, this time of year is notorious for the big brown trout that migrate up and spawn. Um, but a lot of people kind of forget about the big cupos and the big rainbows that will follow them as well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, on a... I like to fish a lot of um, dry droppers in uh, in the fall, especially hopper droppers, mostly because I'm not the most accomplished fly caster. I do a lot of fly fishing, and I, if I, I don't have to make as delicate a cast, and they can plop down, and I can add a little movement to it during my drift because a hopper will do that, so I can fish them pretty effectively. Are we still seeing the trout hit that hopper dropper, or is that kind of fading now? You know, it, it will still turn a few fish. It is starting to fade, and it will continue to fade as it keeps getting colder. Um, and the same sort of things is you want to find the structure in the river as you fish that, um, especially on the bigger rivers like the Colorado. And you'll find it. You'll probably hook a few more fish on the droppers this time of year than that are going to come up and eat the hopper. Um, but it will still happen. And it's take advantage now and hurry up and get and do it before it gets too cold. Yeah, you know, and don't forget when you're talking about these big browns and even the rainbows because the water cools, um, there's going to be great still water opportunities, both the spawning browns that can't get into a, a stream, so they're going to try the shorelines, you know, let places like the Delaney's, but also the uh, just the, the water cooling is going to get those all the trout more active and closer to shore where you can actually fly fish them from shore, but what a great time to be out in a float tube. Yes, yes, and all over. You know, we've been fishing, um, you know, Joe Schaefer from the Blue Quill Anglers been fishing a ton up on Wellington Lake. And, folks, if you haven't been to Wellington, it is one of the most beautiful lakes around. And um, the fish are starting to move shallow. They're hitting the shelf. Then um, it's similar out in Antero and Spinney and Terriol Reservoirs right now, too, is get on the float tubes and um, enjoy it because this is a great time of year for it. Well, I, w- I want to switch back to streamers now. And we've talked in this manner about Stillwater before, where a lot of avid fly anglers get a little hesitant uh, to fish Stillwater. They're not quite sure because they don't know how to locate the fish in Stillwater, where they've got the river positioning the fish if they're fishing a current. And they're not sure about the presentation 
because the, uh, in uh, still water, you have to give some life to your fly because you don't have the river drifting it to the trout. Streamers kind of fall into a very similar uh, a similar type situation for some fly anglers where they don't understand they that fishing a streamer that you've got to visualize and make that come alive. You're not you're not imitating a small insect just drifting in the current now. Now you're imitating a scud or or probably a minnow or a or a, a big leech or something. So you've got to give it a little bit of lifelike action yourself, don't you? You do. And you want it. you want to make it look erratic. Um you know there's there's a lot of different ways to fish dreamers. Uh, the underlying principle behind most of the methods is keeping the fly moving. Um, and nice, fast, quick strips. Make it, those flies look like they're struggling to swim in the current or they're injured. Um, and, you know, a lot of times like, we get a lot of questions on when people with the fly rod on how fast to strip their line when they're fishing those streamers. And, the best answer is keep changing it. You know, I'll start off a little slower, and then if we're not getting the action, we'll start picking up that strip speed. And once you find that right cadence, you'll know. The fish will tell you. And a lot of times it's a stop and go. It's a couple quick jerks to make some erratic motion and then almost a pause, yes. and then some quick jerks, or it can be just steady swimming. But you're right. You, the fish will tell you there's no dead-on answer. Take me through some of your favorite streamers. I, uh, so there's a streamer uh, through Umpqua. It's called the Lunch Money. And the Lunch Money comes in a variety, variety of different colors. Um, but there's one that's tied like a little brown trout. And it's a size 10 hook. And uh, it's one of my favorites. And there's other great options as well. And there's a popular fall pattern on a streamer called the Autumn Splendor. And the Autumn Splendor's got yellow legs, brown body, um, and it just has a ton of great movement in the water. And I think between throwing, you know, little uh, woolly buggers and those um, lunch monies and the autumn splendors, I think that's going to set most people off in the right direction right there. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I tend to throw streamers a little bit more on a year-round basis, too, because sometimes when the tiniest little delicate flies are the best presentation to match the hatch, if I can't get the fish to turn on them, I'll try to get a reaction to a streamer. And if you, once you get proficient with streamers, there's, you're going to find situations year-round where they're going to be a go-to bait. It, it is. It is. And a lot of times, low-light conditions just are the way to go when you're fishing streamers. So if you get to the river or the lake, first thing in the morning is the sun's starting to come up. It's a great time. If you get those cloudy days, you know, the sun's going down in the evenings, all those opportunities present some great streamer fishing. You know, the last thing, if you if you can have more than one fly rod, I'll do a lot of my dry fly fishing with maybe a, a four-weight. You know, everybody says a five-weight is perfect for Colorado. I love a four-weight for small flies and dries because it's less fatiguing, a little more delicate. But I like to move up to a, probably a six when I'm throwing streamers, and not because the fish are bigger because you've got to power that streamer through the wind sometimes. You do. And the six weight gives you that little extra backbone and it's going to make your life easier when you're throwing those really heavy flies. And you hit the nail on the head, Terry. It's not the fish size. It's the size of the fly and how heavy it is to cast. So if people want more information, we're out of time, Chris, but give them, tell them where they get a hold of blue quill angular. And you guys, you book trips year round, right? We do. We're fishing strong right now. Um, in about five minutes, I'm going to be knee-deep in water throwing streamers up here at Boxwood Gulch. Um, if 
you know, call the Blue Quill. It's 303-674-4700. And, folks, we're here to help. If you have questions on what streamers or where to go fishing or what's been fishing good, give the shop a call. You can also find we have stream reports online, and that's www.bluequillangler.com, and that's the color bluequillangler.com. And, and like I said, we're here to help. We run classes year-round. We're getting into our fly tying season, which is fantastic. Um, and, guys, take a look at the website because we have some really cool events coming in this fall where we get some really good authors on November 30th in our shop. And um, it's just a ton of fun. Get out there, keep fishing, and enjoy one of my favorite times of year to fish. Yeah, the message is don't put those long rods away yet. There's lots of fish to be caught. That 100%. 100%. Good luck to everybody out there. And, Terry, thank you again for having us on. All right. Thanks, Chris. We'll talk again very soon. All right. Look forward to it. You bet. That's Chris Steinbeck from Blue Quail Angler. Great people. If you just want fly fishing information or you want to learn or current conditions, Blue Quail Angler, look them up online. Tremendous people. We're going to take a time out, and then we're going to take you to a state park that's very close by and talk about a special event coming up there on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We are going to go right to the phones where we are joined by Scott Raffel from St. Ferrain State Park. Scott, thank you for patiently waiting. Uh, we will get to plenty of time in the segment, I promise. But I thought that uh, I thought I thought that Chris was really getting into some neat information. I wanted to make sure we got that out. Oh yeah, of course. Actually, I thoroughly enjoyed listening to him. I was yeah. just thinking how. I was going to talk a little bit about trying to fish on still water with streamers today. <laughs> That's perfect. I mean, because you guys have such a great. Well, let's tell. Well, first, let's tell people where Saint Verain is located and describe the park a little bit. So mo- most people see it; they drive right by it. They'll see the campers or they'll see the ponds, but it's right off I twenty five at exit two forty on Highway one nineteen. And open part of the park has eleven fishable ponds seven and a half miles of trails and 87 campsites. Yeah. And I, I drive by it every time I come to Denver and it, it, it's, it looks like you're close to the highway, but when you get in there, there's trees and lakes and it's really a great opportunity that is so accessible. And you were right. And in fact, I want to tell you, you have a couple of events where you have an event and I, uh, well, I guess a couple of things we really want to spend some time on, but before we get to that, let's, let's talk about the amenities the park. First, your campgrounds are open year round. Is that right? Yeah, um, starting next weekend after our, one of our events, we're going to close three of the camp loops, but we'll still have five of them open, and they'll have heated water hydrants. Half of them have sewage and electricity, and then the other half has electricity year-round. And you have uh, day-use picnic areas and things, too, I believe, right? Yeah, we have several, and so, most of them are right on the ponds or next to handicap access, so you can pretty much fish right from your picnic site. And let's talk about the fishing. It is such a tremendous resource. Uh, uh, before we even get to what totally is going on right now, tell people the different species that are available there. Uh, so we got stalker trout. We've had those for a long, long time, since back when it was barber ponds. But we also have two trophy bass fisheries, um, Bald Eagle Pond and Blue Heron Reservoir. Blue Heron Reservoir is also like turning into a trophy cat fishery where we got some good cats. And we actually just stocked with about 30 or 36 ones that were all about 20 pounds. So really good sized catfish. And then we also have, we have a really good crappie population that'll start doing real well here before the ice comes on. 
We got some walleye and sawgai, and then two of our ponds actually have pike as well. Yeah, and when you said when the when the until the ice comes on, and then it turns into a great ice fishing destination. And you you, know, you mentioned the stock trout. Now you've got so many opportunities there. I think they get overlooked sometimes. But boy, if you're looking for an easy place to take some kids fishing and go out, you guys get heavily stocked both the spring and fall. But heading into the fall, they seem to stock you guys heavily, both to grow some holdover trout and for the ice fishing. Have you started receiving those stockings? Yeah, we actually had our first stocking of the year about two weeks ago. And, and we'll get those depending on which pond it is, about every two weeks. Uh, clean until we get ice, and we'll cut some holes and dump some in there, too. What, are there any ponds or any ones in particular, if if you were bringing a, a youngster out and wanted to just get him into some stock trout that may be better than the others? Probably the most common one is Sandpiper. That's the old Barber Ponds one. That's the one right off the road on the left-hand side to the north. Um, it's got the most access. There's not a whole lot of place to get snagged. It's a good place to learn to fly fish, too. Well, yeah, and um, that's that's when we put oh, sorry. No, that's when we put the most trout into and has the most parking and it's close to bathrooms, which is always important well, with those kids. And what you said too about whether it's streamers, and this is a great time of the year for streamers because those trout are going to be close to shore. Um yep. it's fly fishing to me, I wish more fly fishermen would learn to fish still water, and a lot of beginning fly anglers would really get a lot more confidence if they'd start fishing lakes because you're not having to worry about dealing with currents. And if you can get some open areas where you don't have a tree behind you, you've got a lot of room to cast. You can water load the rod. There's just a lot. You can make roll casts. There's just a lot of fundamentals that you can really sharpen fishing in lakes and ponds. Yep, and that's, I mean, right when I started here, I got, I got more and more into fly fishing because it was such an easy environment to practice in without screwing up. But then you can transition into doing warm water, too. And you can throw poppers or you can throw streamers. You can chase those walleye or those pike with it, too. Or you can throw really, really small stuff and try and get bluegills. Or, you know, in June, try and throw something like cottonwood seed and try and catch carp, which is probably the hardest one to catch on the fly rod. Yeah, people don't realize that. But, boy, I tell you what, when you hook into one, they'll pull your string, won't they? Oh, yeah. It's a good, like, 20-minute fight. (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about some of the things you got going up. The first one I want to talk about is um, Halloween. And this, to me, I really kudos to Parks and Wildlife because we're getting the kids out of the house. We're getting them out by the outdoors, exposing them to things. You have kind of a Halloween party coming up. Tell us when it is and tell us about it. Yeah, next Saturday um, on the 26th from 3 p.m. till 6 p.m., we're doing what we call trailer treat. So what we have is campers in the park decorate their RVs, their tent sites, even their cars like a trunk or treat or like a safe night event. And then the kids come out in costume and they go campsite to campsite and they follow the trail lines and then they go get their candy. And then we also have special event activities located throughout the campground. So we're going to have like a haunted campsite. We're going to have snacks and hot drinks that are provided from Dutch brothers. Um, We'll have backyard games like backyard bass where the kids can actually fly cast and learn to, um, cast and go fishing even if they're not in the water then we'll have some other people from the county and from the city fire department uh, the police department and some of the local high schools will all come out and decorate give out candy and have games to play with people and i believe there's even going to be some kind of a ride that'll take them around too is that right yep so parking on that and you know you're in the campground so there's not a whole lot of parking lots so we're gonna have the trail ride available where we tow kids the little trick-or-treaters around on a trailer 
and take them from one side of the park to the other, from the haunted house to where the snacks are. Um, and that, that actually last year was probably one of the kids' favorite things was just getting to sit in that trailer because it's, it's something kids these days don't get to do a whole lot of. Right, you know, and it, it gets them outdoors. You know, first of all, it's great because it's a safe Halloween experience for them. They get to dress up and experience it all. <clears throat> the other thing is that it gets them, it shows them the park and the water and the trails. And, you know, it piques their interest maybe a little. Or maybe it gets mom and dad out there to see this resource so close to the metro area or so close to the whole front range where you can get out there and just have so much fun and come back when it's not an event, do some fishing or a picnic or walk the trails. And that's that's next Saturday from 3 to 6, right? Yep. And I know there's one other thing. We'll take a couple minutes and try to get that in. And that's you, you were telling me about something called Agents of Discovery. It's an app. Yeah, it's an app on the, the phone or on a device that the kids can get. It's fairly similar to Pokemon Go or the Harry Potter uh, Wizards Unite, where it's augmented reality. So it uses the screen um, and it uses the camera. So a kid can go out there and one of the stations will be catching monarch butterflies. Um, with like a honeycomb. And then another one might be catching fish with a net to do a biological study. Um, but there's also ones that are questions. So they have to match up the image of a bird with the correct name of the bird or a sound that an animal makes with the correct sound. Um, and then there's other ones where it's just real deep thinking, like what do you appreciate about nature? Like how are you going to make a difference in the outdoors for future generations, which is our whole goal as an agency. And that's Agents of Discovery. And you tell me the app is kind of specific to parks. Is that right? You pick the park? Yep. So, like, Bar Lake is starting a program, too. Staunton State Park starting a program. But there's other ones around the country. California State Parks has it. They have it at um, the U.S. Forest Service. BLM has some. Stanley Lake State Park has them. Um, but they're, the app is unique to that park. So that activity is trying to teach you more about that specific park. So ours has stuff about trophy bass fisheries and catch and release principles. That sounds great. Might be different. And you just go to the app stores to find that. Yep. And, and it's free. It's totally free. And then they can actually even download it ahead of time, the, the entire game. And they come out to a park. So even if that park, they don't have good cell service or something on their tablet or on their parents' phone, they can still play the game because it preloads it. That's but awesome. It's triggered by GPS. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, we're out of time. We got to run, but great, great stuff. I assume most of the stuff is on your Facebook and web website. Yep, both of them are. All right. Thanks so much, Scott. And I think this the Halloween thing is fantastic. All right. Thanks, Terry. Have a good one. You bet. We're going to take a quick time out. We come back, we're going to take you to another part of the state and talk about some waterfall and some fishing. We're going to spend plenty of time on it on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Nailing the music today, my friend. I thank you. Dire Straits. All right. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. I want to get to our next caller because I want to spend time on this. I'm excited about it. Um, Joining us from uh, Colorado State Parks is uh, Derek McLaughlin, and he's going to take us to South Park. And we're not only going to talk the fishing and camping like we do in that area, but some waterfall opportunities. Good morning, Derek. Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing great. You know what? It's it's a gorgeous day in Colorado. It's one of those fall days. Is that what you're getting down there? Absolutely. Yeah, actually, this morning when I came in, it was already 10 degrees, so it's pretty chilly up here. Yeah, well, you know what? It, one of the things uh, that happens, you know, in the spring, we get into a lot of fishing, hunting activities, 
and you get a cold spell, and it puts things down. It puts the fish down. It slows the animal movement. But in the fall, when you get that, it kind of picks things up. I mean, they sense that winter's coming, and everything seems to be on the feed, and it's just a different feeling, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the fish are biting, and the, and the ducks are moving. All the animals are moving right now, and everybody's all happy. So, yeah. Let's tell people, in case they're new to the area, where uh, the state park is. You actually have two parks there. You're in the South Park area, but tell people about the area and the parks. Yeah, so um, 11 Mile and Spinning Mountain State Parks are located about an hour and 15 minutes west of Colorado Springs on um, Highway 24. And then once you get into Lake George, you'll turn on the Highway 90 and 92, and it's about 11 miles to get to 11 Mile State Park. And then, of course, you have the two parks. Uh, one of them is seasonal day use, and that's spinning. And the other one is open year-round for tons of activities. Let's talk about spinning first. We get to this time of the year and people start wondering, how long are you going to be open? How much longer can I get there and fish? When is it going to close the boating? What's it looking like? Right. So, yes, yeah, Spinney, um, this year we're actually going to go ahead and close uh, Spinney completely come November 15th. That'll be our last day open. Now, for boating, we will close um, our boating to all motors and all big boats on October 31st. That'll be our last day. So after that, uh, we will allow belly boats and simple boats, but nothing with any marine propulsion systems. So it'll be strictly hand-propelled boats, so you could get on with a kayak, but you couldn't have a trolling motor on it. Exactly, okay. exactly. And you're going to be, uh, you're going to see some waterfall hunting taking place. Uh, yes. What's, you know, and, and things, we'll get to that in a little bit, because I really I was excited. To, I, the more I dig into waterfall in Colorado, the more I find parks and wildlife just provide so many tremendous opportunities, but... Let's uh, let's talk about Spinney and what's going on with the fishing there right now. Yeah, so um, as some of you guys know, uh, Spinney is one of three gold medal gold medal reservoirs in Colorado, and uh, right now the fishing has just been phenomenal. Um, I've talked to a lot of guys, and you're not catching barely any trout that are under 16 inches, and obviously um, they got to be 20 inches and over for you to keep. Um, but the the northern pike as well are just on fire right now, and what they're using is Rapala stick baits. Um, some really big ones right now, and anything with, like, an orange belly, they're catching them on. And also some marabou jigs and some tube, jig is what, tube jigs is what they're catching them on as well. I would imagine the fly fishermen are having some streamer action, too. Oh, yes, yeah, streamers are catching them. You know, they're just ripping them. And, you know, some of the shore fishing has actually been pretty good, too. But a lot of the guys, they're out there on the boats and in their belly boats as well. Yeah, it's it's just a it is a, a tremendous fishery then, and I know that uh, Nate Zielinski is going to come on later, and he'll probably highlight it again. Oh yeah. Uh, let's move over to Eleven Mile and talk about that. Now that's a year-round, twenty-four-hour-a-day state park. You have camping. Is the the, the campgrounds stay open through the winter? Yeah, so the campgrounds stay open through the winter. Um, come the end of this month, we are going to go ahead and close uh, the Rocky Ridge Loop, um, and that's just behind our visitor center. And uh, that's because we don't, you know, we lose a lot of people that are going to be camping here. The most people that we get camping here are going to be our ice fishermen once we, once we do get, you know, a few inches of ice. Um, but yeah. Now, 11 Mile stays open year-round as far as fishing, but you do have, you do close to boat access at some point. What's that looking like? Yeah, so it's going to be the same as Spinney. Uh, we're going to close to all boating on both parks come October 31st. That'll be our last day. And the rules are going to be the exact same as Spinney, is you can have hand-launched boats that are, are not, you know, uh, marine propulsion, and it's got to be uh, hand-propelled. And, of course, the fishing at 11 Mile, 
will go right through the winter because it tr- ends up being a tremendous ice fishing destination. Oh also. yeah, absolutely. And I know last you know last uh, winter there was a lot of kokanee that were caught through the ice. A lot of big fish were caught through the ice. And right now, a lot of the fish that are being caught um, are going to be just outside the marina, just past the breakwaters is where a lot of the fish are starting to move up and, and feeding. And we're starting to see the reservoir turn over itself. Uh, the water starting to get pretty dirty with uh, all the, the plants that are dying off. Well, typically when that happens, you get a, I don't, uh, people think the fish stop eating and there may be a little bit of disruption, but they get spread out because all of a sudden the oxygen levels and temperatures are pretty equal throughout the lake and you see the fish get spread out and they can be difficult to find. But then as it starts, it doesn't take long to settle down into some really good fishing. What are you seeing there now and what does it look like coming up next couple weeks? Yeah, so, I mean, the fishing has been really good. With the, the lake turning over, it's still been really good. Like I said, you know, just outside the marina um, and then the western end towards the inlet, you know, a lot of the kokanee salmon are, are pushed up in there right now, and they're working their way up into the dream stream. And, you know, where the shallows are and the weeds, that's where all the big pike are being caught, and you're catching them between 24 and 33 inches right now. That's awesome. And you mentioned the dream stream, and, of course, that's a tremendous fishery. For trout, it's a very can be very technical, but it's a tremendous, tremendous fishery. But I'm sure you're probably getting a kokanee run up there right now. Oh yeah, the kokanee salmon—they've been running for the last two weeks, and they're going hard, especially right now. And a lot of the guys—they're catching these kokanee on uh, big San Juan worms. Um, they're the red color in them, just have them fired up. And um, yeah, they're just—they're running like crazy right now. And the parking lots are full of people because. It's it's a fiasco. I mean, people are loving it right now. It's been a good time from the guys that I've checked. So, you know, and if you put a two-fly setup on, there's other fish up there chasing those kokanee eggs, and the browns are getting ready to spawn. So it's not a bad time to fish for trout there either. Oh, no, definitely not. The browns are definitely moving up, and I'm seeing some guys catch some big ones. What about trout and other species in the lake? Anything else showing up much? Yeah, so, I mean, um, you know, the northern pike obviously are, are lighting up. Um, I haven't seen too much on the yellow perch. Um, you know, the, the northern pike and yellow perch, um, we ask that you do take all those out of the reservoir. Um, but it's a lot of um, uh, cut bows are being caught as well, and a lot of big rainbows. I mean, it's, it's been really good. That's awesome. Let's get to the waterfall while we still have some time. Okay. And you have some tremendous waterfall opportunities Oh, are those on right now? What what does it look like? Tell me about the waterfall hunting there. Yeah, so we're actually in the mountain foothill zone, so it's good from October 5th to December 2nd, and then we take about a 24-day break, and then from December 26th through January 31st, uh, the season's opened up again. And um, we're in the central flyway zone, and uh, since you know the northern areas are starting to get a lot more snow, we're seeing a lot more birds. Um, I was hunting actually up at Spinney, the other day, and we probably have between 1,000 to 1,500 birds up there, and we're seeing a big mixed variety of birds from gadwall, mallards, some pintails. Um, there's some buffleheads mixed in and some ruddy ducks, lots of teal. Um, and then obviously the, the colder it gets, we're going to start seeing some more diver ducks like canvasbacks, um, goldeneye, and, and everything like that. And, but Spinney, they have a lot of, lot of birds up there right now, and 11 Mile, they're starting to funnel through the Dream Stream, and they're coming in through 11 Mile. Well, I would think that the resident ducks with that cold spell we had have kind of started to move out. I don't know how big the resident population is, but what you said, they're getting snow and cold up north. We should see a constant flow of, 
migratory birds, I would think, it'd stay pretty steady throughout the winter? Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, you brought up a good point on these resident birds. So um, with it, we, with, since we've been getting a lot of cold weather, a lot of the small farm ponds that are around us, they were holding a lot of birds. And you weren't seeing them on the reservoir, but since it's been so cold, those farm ponds are freezing up, and it's forcing these ducks to come to the reservoir. And then, obviously, the, the locals are starting to move, and then the northern birds are starting to move south towards us. So, yeah, we're seeing a lot of new birds coming in, and but with it being this cold, I mean, the, the birds are pushing through uh, pretty quick. But all throughout the season, we have uh, abundance of birds, a lot of diver ducks late in the year. Now, the access to hunt there, is it a reservation system? Is it an open walk-in? What is so it? it's, yeah, so it's not a reservation system. It's an open walk-in. And what I ask for waterfowl hunters that are going to come up here and hunt is to come up to our visitor center here at 11 Mile and grab one of our hunting maps. That's going to give you all our uh, hunting closure areas. Um, specifically, we do not allow any hunting on the islands. And then you're obviously not allowed to discharge a firearm within 100 yards from a designated campground or picnic area. Now, uh, it, it got it. I know you like to give people some reminders too about a few of the regulations. Yeah. So uh, some of the things that we're seeing a lot here is uh, guys are shooting way before shooting hours. Um, we need to keep in mind that it's a half hour before shooting light, and to look into our uh, 2019 Colorado Small Game and Waterfowl book to know when you know the shooting lights are. And another thing is, let's let's pick up our shotgun shells. I'm seeing a lot of guys leave back, you know, these shotgun shells, and it's just littering our land and littering our water. And that's, you know, we need to be ethical about that. Well, I just am so excited about. I've been I've written about this in the Denver Post, and I've covered it on this radio a lot. Just the number of waterfall opportunities. You know, a lot of states you have to pay to get on private land to hunt waterfall. Colorado just has tremendous opportunities. We have to run, Scott. I mean, uh, uh, I'm trying to call you Scott, Derek, because that's no, right last time. But but that we got to run. But thank you so much. Just sounds like great opportunities. Yes. No. Thank you. I really appreciate you. Uh, thank you so much. That's uh, Derek from the Spinning Mountain Reservoir in Eleven Mile. We'll take a quick time out and be right back with more outdoors on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. And just a few minutes, we'll be joined by Nate Zelinsky. But in the meantime, I want to bring a couple things up. First of all, if you weren't listening in the beginning of the first hour, um, Chris Steinbeck from the Blue Angler did an incredibly good fly fishing update as to what's going on out there right now. And we talked about some techniques, too, that I really thought it was a great segment. I'm going to post the podcast of that segment on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. And, you know, you can always listen to any of our podcasts. We podcast this entire show. We podcast it both by the hour and by the segment by going to 1043thefan.com and then going to the Terry Wickstrom Outdoors menu and looking at the different segments, the different hours, and uh, listening to those podcasts. We get a lot of listens, thousands to those those podcasts, so I appreciate that. But what I do on the Facebook page, too, is I really try to make that Facebook page the heart of the show. If we've got something special coming up, I take that Facebook page and I, uh, I'll, Karen will usually do the work. I take credit for it. And we'll post that, uh, you know, what's coming up, a special guest, a special activity. We post answers to trivia questions on the Facebook page that we use to give away prizes. Uh, we don't do that every week, but a couple times a month. And they're nice, nice 
uh, prizes, too. And the answer is almost always on the Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. And then I do take um, articles I've written for the Denver Post, if I think they're pertinent, and put them up on my Facebook page or uh, podcasts from certain segments of the show that I thought really nailed where we're at this time of the year. I want them to be timely and put those up. And then we have our YouTube channel where Karen, um, she adds more of our legacy television shows to the YouTube channel on a couple of months usually. And we post that on Facebook to uh, to uh, kind of bring our, your attention to it, that there's a new one up there. And by the way, if you haven't listened to our YouTube channel, uh, you need to, uh, I mean, look at it. If you go to uh, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom on YouTube, you'll find out that uh, there's a whole... Uh, we did two television shows, Mountain States Fishing and Angling Adventures. And Angling Adventures is it was a travel show. So we take you from the Arctic Circle to the equator across North America. But Mountain States Fishing was mostly filmed right here in this area. And so we take and we, uh, we, we gear those shows toward the Mountain States region. So you can go back and look at those. There's a lot of places and techniques that are still very, very pertinent to fishing right now, and there some of them be right in your backyard. They might be you might live right next door to them. So try out the YouTube channel. But the important thing is to uh, follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now coming up in the next hour, we're going to talk to Nate Zelinsky about mountain fishing. We're going to talk to Chad Lachance, and we're going to start talking about the fall spoon bite, which is underway in a lot of places, and it's going to get even better as long as we can get on the water, and it can be phenomenal. You'll want to hear more about that. We feature it every year, and and then uh, we're going to talk to Bernie Keefe about the incredible lake trout fishing right now at Granby. All that and more coming up at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.